The more that I traveled and experienced, the more I became passionate about it and really wanted to make sure that everyone knew how much Africa had to offer. You know, there's sort of this one-sided image that has been out there perpetuated about Africa, and it's so much more than that and so much better than that image that's out there. And so I've really been passionate about visiting as many countries as I can and sharing those experiences, those diverse experiences with the world. Hi, I'm Kelly Edwards, and you're listening to Let's Go Together. Diaspora is a term used to describe a group of people who spread from one original country to other countries. For people of African descent, the transatlantic slave trade took people from their native homelands and placed them in new regions where they not only had to survive the harsh conditions of enslavement, but also establish new languages and traditions. My guests today are Mario Rigby and Rondell Holder two travelers with African lineage who embarked on a journey towards rediscovering their African roots. Hi, Mario. Hello, Rondell. <laughs> hi, hi. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to have the both of you on. Um, when I think of each of you, Rondell, first thing comes to mind is just a fly brother. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. <laughs> and then Mario, a man after my own adventure heart. We definitely have so many things in common. We love the great outdoors and we traverse these lands as black people, which is just like a whole different experience. So the fact that Rondell and Mario are here together to talk about your experiences that you've had on the continent of Africa. Once again, I said the continent of Africa because it is not a country, everyone just want you to know. <laughs> I'm elated to have you both here. So what I love to do is just so our audience can get a little bit familiar with you for those who are not. Let's start with you, Rondell. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and your connection to Africa. Sure thing. Hi, everyone. My name is Rondell Holder, a world traveler with uh, extra love for the continent of Africa. I've been to 14 countries on the continent so far. I'm the CEO of Soul Society 101, Essentially, we create content for Black travelers. So, you know, social media content, podcasts, blogs, vlogs. My most exciting project was a project, a video docu-series where I traced my roots to Africa through a DNA test and really went to visit those countries to connect with my roots. In addition to that, I am CEO of Global Royalty, where I curate personalized trips and host group trips to the continent of Africa. Amazing. And Mario... My name is Mario Rigby. I am an explorer. I also call myself an eco-explorer because I really like to focus on sustainable and responsible adventures. I'm inducted in the Explorers Club and the Royal Canadian Geographic Society. And essentially what I do is expeditions that really push the boundaries of human physiological and um, psychological limits. And in order to do that, I also have to go into the cultures into the places that I go to to visit. So much like Rondell, I go to those places and really try to understand the roots and uh, the cultures and the people that live there. And Mario, you said that in, in such an eloquent way, but what I would love for people to know, and I'll just give this slightly grand introduction, <laughs> is that you are listening to a man who walked the continent of Africa by foot okay i just want if you can if you can try to visualize this it sounds and seems not only insane and impossible but mario did that 
So, I, you know, you're over here being Mr. Humble, and I'm not going to let you do that. Not today. You know, he should have just introduced himself with that one line and dropped the mic. <laughs> Interview over, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I walked the length of Africa. It took me two and a half years. And, um, you know, that's covered over 12,000 kilometers, over nine countries. And, yeah, absolutely anything that you could possibly imagine has happened through those two and a half years. Everything from, you know, being shot at by rebels to uh, f- falling in love with um, uh, activists who were, um, you know, changing the revolution of countries. So, you know, definitely there are multiple novels that can come from that. Well, I know one thing. We never heard about the falling in love story. So maybe we'll get that tea another time. <laughs> <laughs> so where did your passion for travel come from? And Rondell, I'd love to start with you. Um, my passion for travel has really come from, you know, growing up in New York City, you're surrounded by people from literally every country in the world. I grew up around people from everywhere. My family is from the islands, I'm from Grenada and Jamaica. So immediately I was living in the, you know, the dual life of Black America and the Caribbean. And so I just really learned like the nuances and similarities and differences between those two worlds. And like I said before, eventually learning the nuances of different cultures. And I was just obsessed automatically. There was just something in me that was always interested in everyone and what they, you know, what their cuisine was, their style of dress and why, you know, does it have religious meaning or is it just something that's impacted by the environment? And and all those, you know, anthropology is something that I thought I was going to major in in college. It didn't work out that way, but the obsession with culture and history has really always been there for me. And, And once I got a little older and, you know, got my money together and was able to see the world on my own, I made it my priority to do so. Yes, getting the money together is, it's a big part of travel. And so that's something that I can totally agree with because I didn't always have it. And I found a way when I didn't, but when I got it, it took it to a new level. Absolutely. That's the truth. Absolutely. And Mario, where does your passion for travel come from? You know, my background is kind of scattered all over the world. You know, I was born in the Caribbean and Turks and Caicos Islands. My uh, father's Jamaican, my mom is Bahamian. But I was raised in Germany. I lived there for 10 years. So, you know, that maybe uh, sometimes my accent comes off a little bit weird. And, you know, ever since I was a kid in Germany, you are basically encouraged to be in the outdoors from a very early age. And moving to the Caribbean when I was young, that was pretty much my outlet was to go outdoors, you know. So we would go to the caves, we'd go fishing, we did all these really interesting things. Every Sunday was Discovery Channel Day, so we would, as a family, get together. So for me, it was just like travel and experiencing culture was kind of like a homebody kind of feeling. And so naturally, you know, I was gravitated toward those kinds of things. And, you know, I, I began a, a life of, uh, I had a track and field career that, you know, went to the highest level that I could possibly go until, you know, my country in Turks and Caicos, they couldn't afford to go to the Olympics. So, you know, I had to basically default to a different kind of outlet. And for me, I felt like expeditions, pushing my body to the limit was the next best thing for me to kind of like push my body to the ultimate level. In the process of doing that, actually, I really learned a lot about cultures in Africa, but cultures around the world as as well. And I also learned that, you know, there aren't really that many Black people pushing themselves in that respect 
And so I wanted to become kind of like the face in order for other Black people to become comfortable pushing the limits of travel and adventure. And boy, have you done that. Uh, <laughs> we are definitely both adventurers and explorers. And I, too, love to push myself to the limits. Mm-hmm. And so I have a deep admiration for your methods of exploration, which, to be honest with you, is unlike much I've seen from any race. So kudos to you for stepping up to the plate and wanting to be the face of that, because I could easily say that you are with me too. (laughs) Rondell, when did you first feel a connection to Africa? I think I've always felt a connection to Africa, just being a Black person. That's not to say that every Black person feels that connection. But personally, I grew up in an environment where, you know, our connection was very close. Like I said, my parents are from the Caribbean, and there are a lot of very strong ties culturally between the Caribbean and Africa. And then when I took my first trip to South Africa, you know, I landed and instantly felt a feeling that I hadn't felt anywhere else in the world, not even in my parents' home countries. You know, it's a feeling of belonging, and, and it is to a certain degree spiritual. You know, it's a, it's a comfort that I had never felt before. And, you know, that one trip opened up my eyes and opened up my heart to the continent. And the more that I traveled and experienced, the more I became passionate about it and really wanted to make sure that everyone knew how much Africa had to offer. You know, there's sort of this one-sided image that has been out there perpetuated about Africa. And it's so much more than that and so much better than that image that's out there. And so I've really been passionate about visiting as many countries as I can and sharing those experiences, those diverse experiences with the world. Mario, when did you feel your first connection to Africa? And can you elaborate a little bit more on some of your experiences while there? Because I feel like your connection could be possibly really, really deep because you literally spent so much time, two years on the land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I did um, did a TEDx talk in, in Sudan that was quite interesting because they asked me to talk about Africa to Africans. And I was like, what? Why me? The reason was because they said, well, because you have literally visited 135 different tribes. And, you know, you're able to see the differences, the small nuances over time, slowly. I think that's an important detail. The reason that, you know, at first in the Caribbean, you know, where I was raised after um, 11 years of age, I was teased a lot, actually, for being very dark skinned, you know, bullied a lot as well. And people would call me African. And so there was this negative connotation toward the word African and I never believed that. I was just like, <laughs> you know, why, why are they, why do they call me that? So I wanted to do some research. I, I started looking into it. And there was a show at the time called The Black Panther. Before anyone ever knew what The Black Panther was. And that really inspired me, me and my brother, because there was a powerful scene in, I think, episode two or three, where T'Challa, before he became the king of Wakanda, he had to, you know, he felt to himself that he had to go on a walkabout in order to understand his people before he became king of Wakanda. This is missing in the movie, but it was a huge part of that show in that scene that really inspired me to look at Africa in a different way because that, that episode really had like all these beautiful animals and sceneries that, you know, I haven't really thought of before, like just the colors, the way it's all mixed together. 
and he fell in love. He got robbed, all these different things, you know. He fell in love with the person that robbed him. <laughs> and um, she ended up becoming Storm. She's, you know, Storm, spoiler alert. And, uh, you know, so as a kid, like, I was always curious about, well, what it would look like if I went on a journey similar to what he had gone on. And I also questioned, why isn't there anyone in real life that I could look up to in such a way? And so, you know, I began my own discovery in doing this expedition. And I started researching, you know, well, what's in Africa? What kind of big expeditions are in Africa? Because the Western world is so obsessed about being the first ones to climb the mountain, doing this, this, and that. So I thought, well, what are people doing in Africa? That's really spectacular in that sense. I found that that was the missing link. And so I wanted to fill that void, essentially, you know. I find it so fascinating to hear this backstory, especially saying that as a child, the Black Panther inspired you to want to explore like T'Challa did. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy that uh, it was a cartoon, though. (laughs) I wanted to change that narrative. Like, it can be real. Mm -hmm. Until the recent advancement and availability of genealogy testing kits, many Black descendants of the transatlantic slave trade had a vague knowledge of their African heritage, but could not directly trace their lineage to any specific country of region. When we come back, I talk to Mario and Rondell about tracing their roots and finding themselves in the motherland. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Testing ancestry through DNA kits has become a trend for people of all backgrounds. Some have even given them away to family and friends as gifts. For Black descendants of the transatlantic slave trade, tracing their roots can be a way to take back a sense of identity that have once been ripped away from them. Have either of you traced your ancestry? And do you know where in Africa you descend from? So I'm actually not really disclosed to say this, but I'll say a little bit. So I'm doing a docuseries, essentially retracing the West African slave trade. And it starts with an expedition where, you know, I check my DNA and it'll all be a surprise in all real time as I'm doing it you know, much like how you did, Rondell, except through the eyes of adventure and basically taking exploration to a whole new game. So it's not just about exploring places and crossing Atlantic oceans, for instance. That's one of the hints of what I'll be doing, um, using human-powered energy. So using human-powered adventure relates to, you know, kind of the struggle that people of African descent had gone through during the the slave trade for over 400 years. And so essentially what we're doing in this docuseries is kind of like, you know, um, answering questions that people are too afraid to ask or even to answer. And uh, it'll be like some of the most physically challenging 
feats, but also some of the most psychologically traumatic stories that I think we're all afraid to kind of, not all of us, but there's definitely, I think, amongst our, in, in our community that we are afraid to, to really uh, tap into. But it's also an educational tool in order for us to understand not just where we come from, but what we've gone through and why we've gone through it. And I think that's a big missing link in a lot of um, different parts of the world where the African diaspora has kind of left and there's no like linkage between why are Black people in this particular area and in this area. Rondell? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll jump in from there. And and to Mario's point, I did a docu, a two-part docu-series in twenty the end of 2018 called Heritage Journey, where I took a DNA test and visited those countries through a cultural lens. So whereas Mario was talking about, I know there's culture involved, but a lot of it is adventure and exploration, which I cannot wait to see because you do a lot of things that I will never do. You ain't telling me. <laughs> uh, but my... <laughs> Mine was um, definitely through a cultural lens, a lot of, you know, really interesting conversations. And, you know, I visited Togo and Benin, two countries that I actually wasn't very familiar with before I had heard of them, but I, I had no idea the history or, you know, what identified those countries as what they were. I had some amazing experiences, amazing conversations. And so those were my top two countries. And then Ghana was my third. And I went to visit Ghana at the end of 2019. The year of return? The year of return and had I went in a little bit before everyone else, so a little bit before the parties and all that stuff to really get a more quiet and intimate experience. And I had a life changing experience in Ghana. Like South Africa was my intro to Africa and it always has a special place in my heart. And Ghana gave me, I mean, they adopted me basically. I have a, a Ghanaian name. Barima Akwesi Chiretrie is my Ghanaian name. And, you know, they wrapped me in authentic kente and you know, they had a, a, a local priest, you know, pray to my ancestors and let them know that I made it back home. And and those are some experiences that, again, there's certain things that you can't even put into words, how they're going to make you feel or the armor that it's going to give you just to live your everyday life moving forward from there. So tracing my roots was, I think, a huge part of my identity moving forward, just, you know, to have that direct connection. Obviously, I knew my lineage was to West Africa because of the transatlantic slave trade, but to really identify specific countries that I can look to and, and really build that connection with has been just game changing for me. Wow, Rondell, when you said that you were wrapped in cloth and they prayed to your ancestors to let them know that you had made it back home, that instantly gave me chills and made me tear up. I mean... Yeah, it was... It was I. It's, it's hard to explain. Like, I, I know I keep saying it's hard to explain, but it really is hard to explain exactly how you feel because, you know, it's something, a lot of my travels, especially my travels to Africa, is something that as a young boy, I just didn't know were ever going to exist. You know, I always knew I wanted to see the world and to be in, you know, countries like Botswana and, and Zambia and Ghana and connecting with people and connecting with the land in a spiritual way, particularly in West Africa, it's just something that I never thought I'd be able to do. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity. The images that come to mind when some people envision Africa are rarely ever accurate representations of the actual continent. Part of this is the way that Africa has been depicted in media and entertainment. Mario and Rondell talked to me about what people get wrong about Africa. What would you say the biggest misconception about the continent of Africa is, Mario? <laughs> I got so many. The list is uh, forever long. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Let me start with uh, 
we need to go out there and help Africans. That needs to be off people's minds immediately, right away. It needs to be the other way around. In fact, there's so much that we can learn from Africa, particularly what Randall was talking about, which is the Ubuntu uh, philosophy, which is, you know, basically all for one and one for all. It's, it's uh, no one person is without community. And that's very indicative to all of the African cultures in general. So they're very communal thinking. They're, you know, I haven't seen any starving kids like how they show in TV, news series and all that kind of stuff, unless you're in particular war zone areas, which I've only been to one of, and uh, it's because there's direct war happening. They don't see things the way we see things. They see that if you're suffering, then we're all suffering, right? But here, if you see a homeless person, you walk over that person. I don't necessarily think that that is the superior uh, human way to be. I think that communal thinking, which, by, by the way, is a very matriarchal way of thinking, is the way to move forward in humanity. And because we're a global community connecting now around the world, you know, we have to think more communal. And so I think by adopting the African philosophy, we can move forward with that. Not just because it sounds right or because, you know, I feel good talking about it or hearing about it, but because I believe, generally speaking, if you're thinking about other people and the well-being of other people, then that's the only way to keep going forward. Mm. I completely co-sign what you said. My very first trip to Africa, like I said, was South Africa. And you know, my very first thought was, I have to do charity when I land. What am I going to do to give back? And I spoke to someone who was South African and they said, just go and have a vacation. Like, enjoy the country for what it is. Travel the way you would anywhere else in the world. It was one, a burden off of my shoulders because I felt this pressure as, you know, someone who considers himself compassionate, one, but also, you know, as an African-American person and not even realizing you, you go in with this superiority, right? The need to say I need to give back is automatically assuming that they're worse off than I am. And so I went with the mentality of, you know, just go and travel the way I normally would and, and hang out with people and enjoy the, you know, the nightlife in the same way I would. And I had an amazing vacation. And that's what I want people to realize too. Like, yeah, there are places to give back, you know, around the continent of Africa, the same way there are places to give back in the U.S., in New York and Detroit and Atlanta and Chicago and everywhere else. But you don't necessarily, Africa's not a charity case. They're doing just fine and they have been doing just fine. And beyond that, you know, I, I would love people to know that any type of experience that you want to have, you can have in Africa. Like I said, there's sort of this one-sided view of what the continent is. And it's just like safari, poverty, and crime, right? Like that's just the first things that come to mind for a lot of people. And that's honestly because it's what, what's been perpetuated to us. But you know, I go to Johannesburg and I'm like having brunch and I'm shopping and I'm going to a day party at a market <laughs> and, you know, and I'm like, wait, 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 this is, this is amazing. It feels kind of like Brooklyn, but <laughs> everyone is Zulu and Kosa and I'm just like, I'm overwhelmed. And I go to Cape Town and I'm like, this is literally one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been to. And I've been to some beautiful places, you know? And so I want people to know you can do luxury in Africa. You can do you know, backpacking, you can do safari, you can do a city, you can do like the most pristine beaches I've ever been to in the world are in the Seychelles. So you can do it all. Go, if you haven't been before, just go with an open mind and open heart and completely wipe out all that you've learned and all that you've heard, because chances are it's not an accurate 
reflection. And, it, and you may not be coming with any ill will or ill intention, but we've all been conditioned to a certain degree to what to expect for your first trip. So just, I would advise everyone to just clear your mind of that, go with an open heart and open mind. And, you know, I've, I've been to the continent maybe 20 times now and have nothing but positive experiences to share. Another thing that I want to your very first point, Kelly, Africa is a continent, not a country, 54 countries. And, you know, people also have this idea that it's just this one conglomerate of a culture and the culture, to Mario's point just now, it's so diverse. Like my experiences in South Africa are completely different from my experience in Egypt, completely different from my experience in Kenya and Ghana and the Seychelles. Every region that I've been to is, has a completely different thing to offer different language, different tribes, different foods, different music. Afrobeats is not the entire continent of Africa, even though we all think it is. <laughs> so that's the other misconception. And one of the biggest that I think needs to be eradicated is that it's one big country. And even though I think in 2020, I would hope most people know that it's not one country, but really diving deep into what that means. Every region, though you may not know much about it, has this very unique, distinct culture and identity. And you know, I wish you would go to a Kenyan and tell them that, oh, they're just like a Ghanaian or go to a Ghanaian and say that they're just like a South African. You know what I'm saying? Like we have to respect them for, and these are, mm. you know, societies, civilizations that have been around like way before our little, however, hun a couple hundred year old United States. Right. Like, again, there's a certain ego that we need to put to the side when we're thinking about other places in the world. What would be the biggest challenge that each of you faced while there? Mario, you got all kinds of challenges. <laughs> you had all kinds of challenges. I'm not going to really mention too many of the, you know, the obvious challenges like crossing rivers and, you know, getting attacked by hippos and whatnot. But, you know. Yeah, because that's, that's you know, every Thursday. No <laughs> exactly. Right? In Mario's world. I'm going to talk about challenges that are relatable <laughs> that I think the normal person can relate to if they go to Africa. And, you know, actually, I'll tell you, and this is this is going to be a little bit strange to comprehend, but what I found the challenge was how incredibly kind these people were to me, you know, because I come from a culture where it's like, it's me, I got to look out for me, and I got to, like, you know, accumulate wealth and all that kind of stuff. And so when you go to East Africa, you're bombarded with just people with pure vulnerability. They they allow themselves, they will say, I love you on the spot if they love you. They will hold your hand, you know, like men are holding each other's hands. Yes. And, and to me, that's how I found out that I'm not going to get arrested was if a police officer said, hey, my friend, I want to tell you a story. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to, all right, I'm not going to jail this time. You know, um, so to me, I was bombarded with kindness. And for a moment, I, you know, I kind of got angry. And, you know, I, I got angry because, because I felt like, well, you got to have some kind of like resilience, some kind of fight in you. And when you encounter a Maasai tribe, for instance, East African warriors, you know, from Kenya, Tanzania, and sometimes Ethiopia, they're nomadic tribes. And in order to become a Maasai warrior, you have to go on this uh, journey pretty much like how uh, T'Challa did through Wakanda. It's a very common African tribal thing to do. When you become a, um, an adult, you go through this coming of age ceremony where you have to survive in the jungle or in the safari for a certain amount of time and you come back alive. And, you know, typically when we look at an alpha male, for instance, 
we think like aggression, we think like, oh, he's on top of everything and he's got to like, you know, rule. But that's not how it was. That's not how they were. They were incredibly gentle. I learned a new way to become a man. I had to unlearn all these different things of what it means to be an alpha, a male, whatever that means in terms of a male that knows himself and uh, who has strength, right? And, and what I learned from that was by being calm and by being vulnerable, show strength. And that's how these Maasai warriors would demonstrate themselves to you, you know, with such calmness inside them. And I thought to my, I was like, dang, that is just the opposite of what I learned. I learned that we were supposed to be aggressive. We were supposed to be big, puffy, you know, and showing our tail feathers and all that kind of stuff. So to me, that was the, the challenge was for me to adapt that kind of behavior because the other kind of behavior of, you know, being like big and showboaty or whatnot, they weren't taking that. Like they just wouldn't even accept it. Wow. That's actually really beautiful for you to say, especially as a black male in America, the way that you are often portrayed is like this aggressive, scary person. And what you've just described is like complete opposite of that without negating the strength and the power that you guys have as men. And so I love that you you just shared that because that's not something that is often talked about. Rondell, what would be the biggest challenge that you believe you experienced while you were there? I think one of the biggest challenges is navigating some of the countries. So I think Africa as a continent, some of the countries have a long way to go in terms of organizing tourism and making it easy for people to get there, easy for people to get around. Certain countries like South Africa, I think, is really well oiled and equipped. And I would say Ghana, maybe also in my experience, it was relatively easy to navigate and get around and find the right methods of transportation. Other countries, like when I shot my docuseries in Togo and Benin, first of all, as an English-speaking American who knows very little French, that created a huge barrier, (laughs) huge barrier. And then also how to get around, how to make it happen, how to find transportation, how to connect with people on a personal level to make the experience what it needs to be. And I think over time, as more countries realize tourism as a business and a way to help the economy, that that will change. But I, I did find that and do find that as one of the biggest challenges with certain countries in Africa. As you may know, Africa is enormous with a beautiful landscape and a diverse terrain. It has desert, tundra, rainforests with lush soil, and beautiful beaches. I asked Mario and Rondell about the most beautiful visual they can remember seeing during their time in Africa. What's the most visually stunning thing you can remember seeing on your travel through Africa? I'm going to give each of you one. Simeon Mountain. Mm. Majestic? Life-changing? All of the above. You know, I saw, I was surrounded by thousands of gelada baboons. And I was also surrounded by a tribe, a cultural uh, people who have been around for thousands of years. They've been known to be the origins of Orthodox Christianity. And to see how they lived thousands of years ago and still living the same way today and how they live amongst nature. And, you know, if you've ever been to the Simeon Mountains, it'll change the way you view things. Because, you know, you're essentially on 2,000 meter of uh, a plateau that stays at that level. And, you know, the whole part of the, I think the whole northern part of, of Ethiopia, that uh, the entire country is elevated at 2,000 meters. And it's split 
at one point along the Great Rift Valley, which is a part of Africa that seems to be splitting apart the continent. That crack, that valley, it, it's just so rich of life. And when you go there, mm. overwhelming. <laughs> wow. I, okay. Well, thank you, Mario, because now you know me. <laughs> it's on the agenda. <laughs> crazy adventure uh, thing, knowing you. Oh, we're going to have to do something together. Exactly. Rondell, what about you? I'm going to pick two. I can't pick. I was trying to think and, and narrow it down. I can't. I'm sorry. So there are two. <laughs> One is uh, Chobe, Botswana, in the open plains of the safari. So I've been to safari in South Africa and Kenya before, and Botswana was my final. And at that point, I was like, okay, maybe a safari is a safari. I don't know if I'm going to feel any different here, if this is going to look any different. It was literally, and I'm obsessed with Lion King, the cartoon, from when I was a child. It's literally the depiction of Lion King in real life. Like, I was jaw-dropped at the beauty. And I took a, a sunrise uh, drive out. And so the animals were just coming out of their slumber. And you just have like, they're coming from behind bushes as the sun is like purple and orange and pink. Wow. And I have video. And every time I look at it, I'm like, I cannot believe that this is real life. Like there are certain things that I've seen in Africa that I'm like, people can't even imagine this level of beauty. And then the second was yeah. Prowlin Island in Seychelles. So Seychelles has three inhabited islands, Mahe, which is the biggest, Pralin, which is the second, and Ladi. Mm. And, you know, I went to Pralin, and when I checked into the hotel, you know, the concierge was like, oh, how long is your stay? And I was like, oh, three days. I was hopping around the different islands. He was like, three days. Uh, you're going to want to extend that. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I have other things to do. <laughs> and so, you know, I went up on top of this hill, and I don't, I don't, I don't even know if the hill has a specific name, but I was like at cloud level, like clouds were right next to me, and I could not believe. Once again, I could not believe the view of the water and the mountains, and just it was, it literally felt like heaven. Now that if we're talking about heaven, like feelings, like I've never seen anything like that in my life. Well, rumor has it that the Garden of Eden could have been possibly located in the Seychelles. I would not. Possibly. I, that makes total sense to me. That makes total sense to yeah. me. Yeah. And last question. If you could put down roots in any African country, where would it be? Ooh, that's a good one. I have my answers. I don't know if you want to start. We're ready. Go ahead, Rondell. Rondell yeah, you start because I'm, I'm thinking about it. Mine are easy. There are two. So Johannesburg, South Africa, and Accra, Ghana. And I'm already looking at properties. I'm nowhere near the ready to buy, but... I feel so at home in those two cities for different reasons, very different reasons. But the way I feel comfortable, welcomed, home, I can navigate, I can get around. I, you know, develop friendships in those two cities that, you know, we still talk to each other all the time. The energy fits right with my spirit. So those are definitely my two places that I would set up shop. Wow. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and say none. And I'll tell you why. Because I believe and this is how, you know, I'm going to check my DNA and see if this is like confirmed. I come from a nomadic tribe. And nomadic people, we, we move, right? We, we, we go with, with the, the herd of the cow or, or, or whatever. And, you know, that's got to be something deep inside me where I, I'm an explorer at heart. And so I need to experience all of Africa. I need to experience, you know, the West, the East, the South, the North, you know, the middle, all of it. And as Africans, you know, we we need to stop believing that we're not explorers. We we are some of the first explorers that have ever existed. Tell them. We left Africa <laughs> and we showed the world. 
In fact, we showed up in the world. And then we said, okay, yeah, okay, we're going to settle here in Europe. We're going to settle here in China, India, North America, the rest of the world. We all have DNA ties that go back to Africa. It is proven. It is DNA proven. It is scientifically proven. Every single one of us has a connection back to, um, I think it was like 200 to 2,000 people that were on the continent of Africa. And from that small group of people, now grow almost 8 billion people. And so I truly believe that for me, I have to keep venturing through Africa. But I would say some of my top favorite ones, uh, <laughs> I, I guess, would be like Kenya and Tanzania. And the reason I say Kenya and Tanzania is because of the abundance of resources that are there in terms of they got beaches, we got Zanzibar, they have one of the largest safaris in the world, they have the tallest mountains in, the, uh, in, in Africa. And the, the people, the diversity of cultures is just all over the place. You know, you have the Samburu people, you have the, you know, you have the Maasai and, and so on and so on. And so to me, it's, it's just, I love it there because also, you know, you go to Kenya and it's like a first world and a third world all combined together. Like you could have a 10 lane road and all of a sudden, like a, there's a donkey crossing. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Oh boy! And the Porsche has to wait because the donkey is crossing the road. <laughs> That's the uh, mind after you get. <laughs> wow, you guys, this has been such a phenomenal conversation. I feel so privileged to speak to you both. You have such unique experiences, and I know that anyone and everyone who listens to this will come out of it with way more knowledge than they started with, including myself. So thank you for sharing and I appreciate you. Thank you for having us. This was awesome. Learn loving from you guys. Thank you. Uh, and there's one more thing I could add. I don't know. Sorry. Like I know we can like, go on forever, but this is one added thing because I wanted to also look at the continuation of, of where Africa I believe is going. And anyone that is a participant right now in the future of Africa is going to benefit greatly. And the reason I said it is because right now Africa is going through, and I'm talking about the entire continent, is going through an explosion of the, the population. And we're talking 65% of the populations are under 25 years of age. These people are going to need jobs. They're going to need opportunity. If there is a, a way that you want to help, it is to be able to, to go back to the continent somehow and give these people uh, access to tools for them to grow the way they want to grow. And I think that's that's where the future of Africa is going. Incredible. Incredible. Thanks so much to Mario Rigby and Rondell Holder for sharing their adventures with us. You can find Mario at MarioRigby.com and on social at Mario Rigby. To learn more about Rondell, you can find him at RondellHolder.com. On Twitter and Instagram at KingRondeDon. That's all for this episode of Let's Go Together, a podcast by Travel and Leisure. I'm your host, Kelly Edwards. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Eliza Lambert, Jamila Zaral-Williams, Lena Beck-Sillison, and thank you to our digital executive editor, Deanne Kazurski at Travel and Leisure. This show was recorded in Los Angeles, edited in New York City, and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more at travelandleisure.com slash podcast. You can find Travel and Leisure on Instagram at Travel and Leisure, on Twitter at Travel Leisure, on TikTok at Travel and Leisure Mag, 
and you can find me, your host, Kelly, at Kelly Set Go. And that's Kelly with three E's.